0: This time on episode 464 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss the 2023 film Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and weekly Marvel news, including Disney CEO Bob Iger giving us a few Marvel-sized updates and Daredevil confirming its first recasting. I'm Steven John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Guna Geek network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by Director Alfonso Mac McKenzie.
1: Stand by for a SHIELD debriefing. All information to be
0: discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by
2: the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren.
1: I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris.
3: And I'm producer of the show, Director S.P. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Book Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes as told on screen by the company named Marvel Studios, a wholly owned subsidiary of Disney. This show is recorded on Saturday, March 11th, 2023, a mere three hours before Relativity is supposed to launch the world's first 3D-printed rocket. We'll see if that happens. We're live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcasting quantum-wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. If you didn't already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel.
1: Because we have holes. If, you <laughs> if you'd if you like to talk to us about all the holes you have or may not have, you can visit our website, com.
0: If you would like to use one of your favorite holes, you can call 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. And leave us a voicemail, because I was talking about your mouth, people. Come on, this is a family show.
3: <laughs> if you'd like to... If you'd like to leave us a message on a Facebook page about all the great Marvel holes you know of, including plot holes, you could find us at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast.
0: If Elon Musk is poking holes in all of your fun times, why don't you tag us on it? at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Twitter.
1: You can consume us through your eye holes on YouTube,
2: youtube.com slash You can post spoilers about holes under a spoiler tag on our Discord or in our spoiler channels on our Discord at gunnageekcom slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member
1: of the Gunnageek.com network, and we love all our holes.
0: Just go talk about holes on the discord. Don't give any context.
1: <laughs> Just
3: for the record, Lauren, you broke all of us, all of us, me included, because <laughs> I obviously was having a heck of a time trying to cycle through y'all on the switcher.
2: The second that happened in the movie, I took out my phone and held it underneath. Cause we went to go see it at the Alma draft house. I held it underneath the table and was typing in the notes app. Cause I was like, I know what I'm doing.
3: Alright, so we are all back. We're in the studio. We are ready to record on Ant-Man after last week. Michelle, you ended it saying you were having some issues. Everything's fine now? Yes. Okay. Just want to get out of the way from the get-go just to make sure that everybody who had concerns were alleviated. Yes, Michelle sounds quite good today and we're expecting a lot of great talk from her. Are you guys ready? It's not been out a month yet, but it's been about a month. You guys ready to talk about Ant Man and Wasp: Quantumania? Yes.
0: Oh yeah, let's do this.
3: Do 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 do. And, and in the Wasp: Quantumania premiered February seventeenth, twenty twenty three. I think that qualifies for a Valentine's Day movie. The IMDb description for the film reads: Scott lying and Hope Van Dyne, along with Inkpen and Janet Van Dyne, explore the quantum realm, where they interact with strange creatures and embark on an adventure that goes beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. Lauren, who directed the movie?
2: This movie was directed by Peyton Reed, who has 30 directing credits starting in 1988. Including, yes, you know, Ant-Man and all that, but I've been looking at his IMDb list He directed all 13 episodes of The Weird Al Show, six episodes of Upright Citizens Brigade, the movie Bring It On, the movie Down With Love, a few episodes of The New Girl, and two episodes of The Mandalorian.
3: Indeed. So, yeah, he's been getting around, and he came into the project. He was not the original Ant-Man director. He came into the project for Ant-Man trying to save it, really. The entire creative differences phrase was used, but he's been with the property ever since. So
2: it was Sam Raimi originally, wasn't it? Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Thank you. I shall not forget.
3: I wouldn't forget
1: that either. Anyway, Michelle, who wrote this? This was written by Jeff Loveness, and I don't think episode is incorrect because as we all know, it's now back to hashtag. It's all connected. So anyway, this movie or episode, if you would like to consider it, again, by Jeff, has 14 writing credits starting in 2008, 238 episodes of Jimmy Kimmel Live, six episodes of Rick and Morty, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and which it's in pre-production, Avengers the Kang Dynasty, but this is 2023, March Let's see if he remains the writer in the future, because as we just talked about, creative differences. You know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned,
3: uh, let's call this an episode, because over on Strange New Worlds, I am guesting over there. We're covering Picard season three, and on the screen, they're calling the episodes parts. So part one, part two, part three, part four, instead of episodes. I'm like, eh, OK, we're going there now. So it's basically a mini series, And here's your part. All right, so let's talk about the big main cast. We're not going to run down everything. We're just going to talk about who speaks to us individually. I will start with Paul Rudd. He plays Scott Lang, of course. I think he did an admirable job for what he had. Always kind of upbeat and always kind of going at it. Still have to question his long-term thought processes, which I think is part of the Ant-Man character anyway. But I think Paul Rudd pulled it off pretty well. We also had Michael Douglas. That's Dr. Hank Penn, and I wanted to talk about Michael Douglas because there was a news story this past week that he is open to providing his likeness for AI, basically, so it can be used in perpetuity, so his family can continue to receive revenue from him after he's gone. It's kind of his legacy he wants to give his family. He's okay with it, obviously, and I think that would produce some interesting future roles for him given all of his existing and future projects that he might be in. So that's why I want to talk about him. I think he kind of pulled this role off just as well as he did everything else. And I think he's having fun with it. So anyway, those are the two I want to talk about. There is many more to talk about though. So Age of Fumbles, what do you got?
2: Okay, well first off, I want to talk Jonathan Majors, who comes here as Kang, and we all remember him as he who remains from Loki. So he has not been acting relatively that long. His first credit is in 2011. But all of the stuff that he's been in, he's been amazing in it. Like Captive State and The Five Bloods, Lovecraft Country. He's going to be in Creed 3, which is out now. Okay, going to be. It's out now. He's in Creed 3. And I also want to talk Catherine Newton, who plays Cassie. And she's been acting since 2002. Okay, so first of all, she was fantastic as Cassie. She is a recast. They recast her when we had the time jump due to the blip. She's been in things like Lady Bird, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Halt and Catch Fire. She was Claire Novak in Supernatural and the Wayward Sisters show they tried to do. She was in Detective Pikachu. And my favorite of things that she's been in, Freaky, which is a horror slasher version of Freaky Friday, where she is first just a normal teenage girl and then serial killer Vince Vaughn inside her body. And it's so much fun to watch. I highly recommend it. Make it your Halloween watch. I don't know. It's fun. If he didn't talk about
3: Cassie Lang, I was definitely going to talk about Catherine Newton because I think she did a really good job and look forward to her in the future. More about that later. Chris, who do you got?
0: Someone who really jumped out at me was Bill Murray. This was the first real big, not main cast announcement that I remember seeing. And everybody trying to figure out who he was. He ended up being Lord Krylar. And you know, Lord Krylar is somebody who's just kind of in the comics for a second and never really seen again. Just like in this movie, Bill Murray's there and then he's never really seen again. We'll see if he comes back for anything. But I thought this was interesting because this is definitely one of the more subdued roles from Bill Murray that I've seen. But I also really liked his portrayal here.
3: Yeah, it wasn't overly funny, but it wasn't serious either. It was just, you know, what you kind of would expect from Bill Murray, kind of an operator sort of thing. Matter of fact, if you go back to his role in the Angels movie, Charlie's Angels movie, kind of like that, except for less funny, you know, more serious, I would say. So I don't know. We'll see if he does come back. Michelle, you picked a couple that I was definitely interested in.
1: First is Katie O'Brien, who plays Jintora. What's interesting is that the MCU is not afraid to recast, you know, use cast members that they've used before. Katie was Kimball on uh, three episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in 2020. In fact, it's the last three episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. plays Kimball, who's part of Malik's crew. If you remember, like in the hallway, Malik gives her the gun and wants a promotion. She gets the promotion if you're trying to figure out who Kimball was. So I thought it was interesting that here's someone from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had three episodes and now got into this big Marvel movie. I thought it was great. And I, had to contain myself when I saw him on the screen when Quaz came on, played by William Jackson Harper, who was Chidi and Ogonye on The Good Place. And I really think that says it all. If you have not watched The Good Place after listening to us, please go do so because it is amazing, funny, and what Chidi's arc throughout the good place to me is one of the best character arcs, especially when he I don't want to give away too much but he breaks, his mind breaks a little (laughs) bit and what happens afterwards is just masterful and if you like eye candy there is an episode when he does take off his shirt and if you appreciate the male form,
2: it's a nice form. I think that's the same episode where he breaks yes i still me and my spouse and my best friend still quote the you put the peeps in chili and it tastes bad all the time he's also amazing in midsummer which is about a 180 turn from a good place in terms of vibe a tiny tiny cameo that i want to talk about that made me happy At the very beginning, during the It's So Great to Be Scott Lang sequence, there's a part where two people in an outdoor cafe toast him. And that is Ryan Bergara of BuzzFeed Unsolved and Watcher Entertainment and his wife. They had just gotten married, I believe, when this was filmed. And it made me happy because I really, BuzzFeed Unsolved and Watcher Entertainment got me through the first like year or so they got me through 2020.
3: If you're listening to this in the future and you're trying to wreck your brain on who else notable was in the movie. Evangeline Lilly played Hope Van Dyne, Michelle Pfeiffer played Janet Van Dyne and Corey Stoll reprises role as Darren Cross and also Modoc or Modoff. We'll talk about that later.
2: (laughs) All right. So we got through the cast overall thoughts, Lauren, what do you got? Okay, so this movie was a lot of fun. I know it's been very divisive, but all I was expecting going in was, okay, I want to see weird stuff and have fun. And that's what I got. It was also just an excellent movie for Janet and Cassie's characters. And Jonathan Majors is, as ever, amazing.
1: I thought it was a good idea to introduce Kang as a conqueror who inspires the need for a resistance. Says a lot about the character. This movie has a basic plot for what will become a complicated story arc for this phase of the MCU. Basically, it's a good pilot episode.
0: Get ready, everybody, because we are going to be finding Kang plot threads everywhere in everything that has already happened in the MCU. Your most obvious one is going to be Jonathan Majors, also being he who remains in Loki. But there are going to be so many other things that people find. And I'm excited to see all those theories,
3: you know, if you're looking for the prequel for this, of course, you could look throughout the entire MCU, but I would encourage you to go watch Loki season one, and then you'll kind of understand a little bit more about what's going on, which is how we'll end this as well for this movie. But as far as this movie, even with all the CGI spectacle and it was very, very pretty, I could have watched this at home. There's no need for me to be watching it in the theater. I had the standard experience where I I was in the theater with three other people. Those three other people made noise the entire time. They brought a dog in and it was, you know, the constant scratching and the jingle and everything. I was like, oh my God, really? In a movie theater? And it wasn't a therapy dog. I'm a big therapy dog guy. I've raised puppies that have become working dogs. This was not that. So don't be getting on me for OSP. It could have been a therapy dog. It was not a therapy dog.
2: I'm worried about that dog's hearing. Yeah. Right. They didn't have little earmuffs nope, or anything, they did, did they? Not. Oh, my poor did dog. Not
3: at all. Yes. And it was big and loud and boomy and whatever. And I wasn't sitting right next to him. I was sitting towards the middle of the theater. They were sitting at the first row. And it was just, oh my gosh, it was just. Mm. Anyway, aside from that, I could have watched this at home. Could it, there, there's no reason that I had to go to a theater to watch this movie, in my opinion? Y'all can debate me, please do. Actually, I would like to hear your thoughts on it, but that's my thoughts. All right, we're going to start our larger conversation with somebody who was marooned for 30 years that did not name a volleyball Wilson. <laughs> we're going to talk about Janet Van Dyne. Michelle, what do you got to talk about her?
1: Janet kicked ass. It's amazing to see Michelle Pfeiffer. As the superhero, she was meant to be, for those of you who may not remember, she was Catwoman in Tim Burton's sequel, Batman Forever. No, Returns. Batman Returns. Returns. Thank you. And when they did the Catwoman movie, she wasn't in it. We got to see her as an action hero, mysterious, bringing layers to Janet probably that really probably wasn't there. I think she did a lot more with the script and because she's Michelle Pfeiffer. And I mean, she was physical. She had all that range, like the scene with Kang and when she reads his mind through his machine and the eye journey, the face journey that she was able to do. And I watched, you know, different film and read different things, film theories and all that type of stuff. And there's plenty of times where people go like the face is just like the best storyteller. If an actor can just do it all in the face, you don't need to say it again. And it's one of the things with Michelle Pfeiffer, we saw her journey and everything about like all this processing, everything, you know, Janet was saying, it was, it was amazing. And I was just so happy to see her have a role like that. And a lot of people were like, well, there wasn't a lot of wasp in this movie. It's like, um, hello, Janet is also the wasp. So we have, we have two ant mans. We have two wasps. So yes, this was a wasp movie.
2: I'm also just briefly touching on this. Evangeline Lilly has been very much soured for me, given some incredibly ignorant comments that she's made about vaccination and things like that so i was i was okay with not having as much janet in this or with not having as much hope in this movie but janet janet oh, i've loved michelle pfeiffer since forever i really love the movie lady hawk just for her and again she's fantastic in everything she does she was an amazing cat woman she's amazing she's amazing in everything stardust she's so good in it And seeing her be this person who's trying to compartmentalize their life and then having that kind of unwillingly meet and her being, again, physical at her age and just, I love her. I was so glad this movie was, in a lot of ways, her movie. This movie was pretty much Her and Cassie's movie, in my opinion, and it was great.
0: The way that Janet was going through just trying to lead everybody into what needed to be done without telling them what needed to be done and why. It was equally awesome for me because she was sitting there taking control of the situation and making sure that everybody was safe and making sure that everybody was going to be able to get out but also so frustrating because why couldn't you just tell people what's going on with Kang? Why can't this be bad? Why do you have to shut off the device now, Cassie?
2: I kind of understand that. In people who have had just extreme trauma in their lives, sometimes there is, you know, sometimes people get through it by compartmentalizing, you you put everything in a box and you shove that box as far away as possible from what's going on. And that's how you move forward. And that seems like that's how Janet's been handling all of this. She's like, I went through something incredibly traumatic that I don't want that any part of that to be part of my life. Now, I am very happy with my life now. So I get it. But again, anytime it's like this could be solved by taking two minutes to talk. It's so frustrating. And you see that a lot in like romance movies. Which is one of the big things that frustrates me about romance movies. But, yeah, come on, people. Communicate. Communication is awesome. Communication is very good. I would at least
0: take some sort of, hey, this is really bad idea. Just don't do it. That's at least, it, it's a horrible explanation. But it's a lot better than, turn the thing off because I said so.
3: Three quick things. Fumbles, you mentioned... Janet Van Dyne and the trauma that she's going through. One could argue that Scott Lang also did the same thing at the end, not knowing pretty much. He's like, ah, everything will be fine. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to bring in the Avengers on this. Everything will be fine. So one could argue that we could talk about that later. Another thing you mentioned Lady Hawk. I don't know if you know this or not, but my ex co-host Sean from voice of defiance has started a new podcast with his daughter, Kayla. It's called eighties cheese movie review podcast. Lady Hawk is on the list. They haven't done it yet, but they will be doing it in the future. And I will just bring up the golden rule of superheroes, secrets and badly. So mm-hmm. I will blame, quote unquote, blame. I mean, we talked about all the mitigating circumstances, but I will blame Janet for a lot of what happened here. I think it was bound to happen sooner or later anyway, because Kang was patiently waiting for any opening. But Cassie led to the opening. That led to this happening because Janet did not tell them what was going on.
2: Well, you kind of see this whole compartmentalization thing happening with Scott at the beginning of the movie, too. It's very like, okay, that was a time in my life. I am enjoying the good stuff from it. I would like the bad stuff to not touch me or my family ever again. And Cassie brings it up like you're an Avenger. You have a duty. And he's just again, he's trying so hard to keep that trauma and everything away from his family. And again, it finds him again because uh, things rarely don't come back in your life, whether it's a person that you thought you never want that you hoped you never wanted to see again just popping up or an event that you never wanted to think about again showing up in the news or something and it's traumatic and it does kind of make you want to double down so i get it but again communication it's not just the golden rule of secrets cause problems in superhero movies it's that way in life too communication is great
1: yeah because cassie is keeping the secret that she's building the thing from Everyone but Hank, apparently her and Hank have this secret relationship. I know Cassie's been through a lot because think hope, dad was stuck in the cat. I'm talking about Cassie.
3: I know. I think hope was also in on the secret. I think
1: it was the three of them. Yeah, it was hope Hank and Cassie. Yeah. Anyway, that triad, that's still a secret that, you know, leads to this. Cassie's got her trauma because her dad was stuck in the quantum realm. The rest of them were blipped, but so she had to spend all this time without them. You know, she still had her mom, I suppose, right? I guess I'm assuming that she was still with her mom because her mom wasn't blipped. That would be, I guess, too much, even for the MCU. You know, there's that part of it as well. So, yeah, a lot of secrets. Use the words. I think if Kang actually took a moment and tried to explain His ship and what he saw to Janet rationally instead of going, I'm a conqueror. That's me, blah. Maybe that also could have lessened the problem because King didn't King because they were started out as friends. He could have explained things when they were friends before she touched the machine. There's a lot of stuff here where people could have used their words and they didn't. And It's tough. Sometimes it's tough. I've been in therapy for four years and realizing I should be using my words. So I know it's tough to communicate, but it's necessary. Do it. Yeah. It's something that I've really had to work
3: on. I completely agree with everything that you were talking about, Michelle. I completely agree. My one thing is that when Janet does touch his mind, it's not only realizing everything that he's done, but his motivations with that as well might not have been as good as they sound. Basically, you know, it could be been a lot of evil and darkness in there. Not necessarily bad if you're doing it for the right reasons, but I would think a lot of other people would have to agree on it. And I think a lot of people wouldn't agree on it because he's literally snuffing timelines out of existence. I don't, I don't know this is a tough question we're all going to have to answer over the course of the next couple of phases. This is not going to be an easy answer right here. I'm just pointing it out that communication from Kang to Janet might have made things smoother, but I don't know if it would have changed the end result.
0: What would be really interesting is this is pretty similar to Dr. Doom and his story where he sees the end of the universe and everything and him being in control is the only thing where the world works out right so maybe they could be building something similar with kang here there is already a precedent set for taking parts of different characters backstory and smushing them together to get a little bit more of a smaller cast so they could very easily be saying "Kang the conqueror is taking that dr doom having to save the entire realm of existence story
3: Maybe all Kang had to do was drink the ooze and everything would have been better. (laughs) Drink
2: the ooze. Drink (laughs) the ooze. What
0: flavor do you think the ooze was?
2: I mean, so technically it was all part of that one guy, but I'd like to think it's probably something like cerebrospinal fluid. But he doesn't have a spine or a skull, so that's all out the window. Basically, he's an amoeba. And you know how that tastes? Serbosprinal fluid? Yeah.
3: Kind of salty, I think. He was kind of red,
0: so I was thinking cherry lemonade.
2: Oh my god, he's the real Kool-Aid man. (laughs) Crash, bang, boom, boom. (laughs) As long as we're talking about communication,
3: I just want to bring this up. I have no idea how their actual communicators work in the quantum realm. Because it's you know based on physics out here in the in the big world, and then you compress those electromagnetic waves down to the quantum realm. I just don't think it. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to work that way. I don't think any of this is supposed to work that way. But we are talking about the quantum realm. It gives the creators a heck of a lot of leeway to say this works, this doesn't work, whatever. So I get it, but I'm just the rocket scientist in me is like, yeah, how does that? I just don't. Uh, uh. I did put it to the side. It wasn't a showstopper for me, but it was one of the things, especially when the ants started communicate, it was like, how did, and if the ants drank the ooze,
2: I think everything would have been fine. I was delighted by the ants. At first, I remember, you know, earlier in the movie, when we first see Hank touching his ear, all I was thinking was, oh, cool character with a visible hearing aid. And then it turns out to be actually plot relevant. That the ants from the beginning have gone and basically evolved into an incredible society. And I I geeked out so, so hard in the movie theater. There was a variety of species of ant, which in reality would probably result in them a lot of infighting and ant murder. But because Hank has been talking to them blah 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 they figured it out them coming in at the end like that just it made me so happy you see all the different ants doing their particular you know thing that they have evolved to do as you know you see i'm pretty sure it was a bullet ant as that tank and oh it was it was cool and one more thing that made me happy Scott Lang got to be a true Ant Man. And that part at the end, with all of the alternate universe Scots showing up, when they reached up like that, that is very much a thing that army ants do and fire ants. In fact, you can find a lot of videos of ants, of fire ants and army ants doing that, like building themselves into a bridge. So that made me, again, very happy. I
1: was going to bring that up and how all of them. I love the callback to the Baskin Robbins because we saw that at the beginning. And then we get Baskin Robbins, Steve, the one who just, you know, stayed was the good employee. And then that one word, Cassie, you know, it doesn't, you know, who's like, who's the real one? I'm the real one. It just stopped all arguments and was just like, okay, Cassie, we'll pick him as the real one and we'll pull him up because it's just it's all Cassie, Cassie, Cassie. And it was just like, this is so (laughs) ant.
3: So they didn't figure out who the real Scott was. They just picked one. That's your... Yeah.
2: At a certain point, I don't think it
3: matters. Okay. So we might not have the original probability Scott. This could have just been
2: picked. I guess it really doesn't matter because they all went in there. Yep. There was a bunch of them that were just because of different choices that they were making at that one time. So again, at that point, it didn't really matter. I also, I saw this on IMDb. All of the Baskin Robbins references made in this movie. This was the 31st Marvel movie.
3: Yeah, I saw that a couple of weeks ago on social media. Uh, and then also along with Scott and then all the Scots picking one Scott, I guess all the Janets decided that, They all needed to help Scott, so they just picked one and ran with it. So that's how that worked. Was it Hope? Hope? It was Hope. It wasn't Janet, yes.
1: Hope actually listened to Janet and didn't look at or interact with him, which is the opposite of Scott. Scott's just like, who are you? I don't know. I'm this random thought. I'm this random thought. Very, I'm happy right now. I'm scared right now. And it was like, "Boop, boop, 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 boop. It was almost like inside out. All the emotions became different Scots. Because if you notice, she was just focused like a wasp diving down and all the other wasps were trailing behind. So she was able to focus and be straight and direct and like a stinger.
3: Lauren, you mentioned the battle at the end and I didn't have a problem with it. I enjoyed it for what it was, but it's becoming very formulaic, especially with these movies where it starts at the lower level with okay we're fighting this guy we need to call in everybody everybody shows up and then there's one or two waves of reinforcements that come in after the fact and in this case it was the ants that came in after the fact so it's getting a little old in storytelling and i just hope that there is some variation of that as we go forward
2: it seems like Okay, so one of the things that was pretty well known about Harlequin books back in the day is they essentially had a formula. And with movies, you're seeing this, you start seeing this a lot in like the early 2000s with the Save the Cat book. So it's like you have to have this moment, you have to do this by here, and you're starting to see this because we have enough superheroes to compare it to, we have a superhero movie formula. And again, 31 movies, and that's not even counting DC and any other more independent superhero movies that get made. But you're seeing that formula a lot. And because we have so much of it every year, you're really noticing it.
3: So, Chris, can I ask you to do something? Can you go into Marvel Studios? Find the room where K-E-V-I-N is and then reprogram him and just, you know, put in the chat GPT prompt of I want a different final battle.
0: I would love to do that because this is starting to look like why I stopped watching Power Rangers when I was younger. Like, yes, getting there, it's a fun story. But at some point, and I don't know how long they can ride this out, like, you know, the reinforcements are going to come. You know they're going to get into their big Zord and they're going to defeat the bad guy and if it gets to a a bigger battle and they want to have some drama and they don't defeat the bad guy they're just going to call the Dragon Megazord and it's going to show up and like there's only so many times you can do the same story with a rescan on it.
2: It's one of the reasons I stopped reading the Redwall books when I was younger. I realized one day Every one of these stories is basically the same. There's the same story beats, the same character archetypes. It just keeps going the same way over and over and over again.
1: Kind of, I don't want to anger the supernatural community, but Scott and Dean, I think they made a joke out of it in like a later season about how many times they died and were resurrected and, and such. I enjoyed supernatural until i just figured out it's like dean and sam are just going to die and get resurrected okay
0: barry this big enemy is coming and he's faster than you oh well i'll train and run faster than him and then barry just runs faster
2: anything that is long running you see the same formula all the law and order movies or movies all the law and order shows i think we were talking about that i was talking about it with someone how you can just like yeah, we it's talk, great uh, for a nap. Yeah, because uh-huh. it's all the same thing. You know the celebrity is going to be the the killer.
1: Well, sometimes that's how it's designed. It's designed to be continuous bottle episodes. One of the things with Marvel is that these are now movies that don't end. And that's why it's things I said. It was like it was a nice pilot episode at the end of the movie. My cousin start, started to stand up and I'm like, oh, no, no, sit down. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? And I actually, some of the other people starting to get up and I actually said a little louder, there's two shawarmas and some people actually sat back down because I let mm-hmm. the entire people know that there were two shawarmas. And the fact that I said shawarma and people in the audience knew what I meant and they sat back down was interesting.
3: Yeah, because the shawarma is symbiotic to the, the post credit scene. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the final fight. I did. I liked the giant man, the giant, uh, what we call Cassie, giant woman, I guess. So
2: as soon as that happened, I was like, Stature, which was her name in Young Avengers. Okay. And I got so excited. <laughs> yeah. So I, I
3: liked all of it. And because I went into the movie, Without spoilers, and I thought some of our vaunted team wasn't going to make it out. It made it a little bit interesting for me to watch it. But when it got to the end and it was like everybody survived, I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this again, sort of thing. So, okay, it made me feel good that we didn't lose anybody. But anyway, so talking about Cassie, let's go down this road because I know y'all want to talk about Cassie in in the future and stuff like that. Uh, First of all, she creates, as Michael Douglas calls her Hank, a Hubble telescope for the quantum realm. What are you telling me the James Webb Space Telescope does not exist in the MCU? I am very sad. Very sad.
2: Um, I think it's more that Hubble still has, I guess, brand name recognition.
3: Uh, James Webb is so much better.
2: Also, I'm OK with him not using the name James Webb. He was a horrible person. Well, allegedly. There has been no proof of that.
3: He was in government at a time where those decisions were made. He was in meetings where those decisions were made. But there is no proof that he, so far that I've seen, that he has made any of that. So I am refraining from calling him individually a horrible person, but he was involved in government administration at that time.
0: On the other hand, Cassie is potentially on her way to being a nice little left-wing anarchist, and I'm cool with that.
3: Yes. (laughs) Also, she had like 12% of a plan. Let's just call it for what it is. So she goes in, she rescues her friend, right? Says, okay, we're going to do this, and that's how her plan is. So I'm going to call that 12%
2: of a plan. I feel like 12% of a plan has historically worked very well for Marvel characters. <laughs> and then also, when you're communicating
3: to get everybody in, yeah, put the person in charge that's probably understanding social media the best. Get her on her live TikTok, and then throw it out to everybody and say, "Hey, come! We're going to do this great stuff. Come
1: on, we need your help." I think that worked great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great, Miss Marvel. Well, no, wait. So I remember that <laughs> happening, <at> Miss Marvel. <laughs>
3: All right, Fumbles, you want to talk about the next generation? I think this is about the same time that we should probably start this conversation. So, what do you got with Cassie?
2: Okay. Again, I loved her. This was a great stature, or whatever they decide to call her in Young Avengers or Champions or whatever they're planning. This is a great kind of origin story for her. This is her superhero origin story. Not only does she get the suit, but we see, yeah, this person who, because of who her family is, because of the stuff that she's been through and seen, has an incredibly strong sense of justice and community. And we see her not only using that at the beginning, but in the actual fight against Kang, she sees like, okay, this is an existential threat. I need to do my part, even if I'm scared. And again, yeah, calls in all the reinforcements. It's going to be a very bright future for her, and I'm so happy. Also, I love that she got to actually confront her childhood trauma (laughs) in the form of MODOK slash Yellowjacket slash Darren and, you know, come past it stronger. And, oh, just everything about her story I loved. I love Catherine Newton as Cassie. I think she's got a really good grasp on the character. She was just a delight to watch. Also, now that she's familiar with Kang, it makes, it makes me wonder if they're going to do certain things from Young Avengers that I won't spoil, but everyone at least read the original run of Young Avengers.
3: It would make sense where we're at right now and everything going forward. I think we're squarely, we've been talking about it for quite some time, and Cassie's just another arrow in the Young Avengers quiver that we've now added uh, as far as this. I don't know. Here's a question for you, guys. Are we going to get the Young Avengers as a team the first time on Disney Plus or on the big screen?
1: Here's the thing. Are they going to be called the Young Avengers or are they just going to be called the Avengers? Because eventually we get Avengers Kang Dynasty. But there's no Captain, you know, all the people that we call Avengers right now, they're gone.
3: Yeah, we've got a news story to talk about that later. Yeah.
1: That's wonder. I I feel like we're getting little origin things and then eventually they're going to be called together. Maybe we get something, but maybe they just end up being the Avengers.
0: I think we're going to end up in a situation where it's like first appearance. But then a different first proper appearance of somebody in comics. So I think the first actual appearance of whatever they're going to call the team is going to be Disney Plus, but it's not going to be anything really significant, get it, ants, until something on the big screen.
2: I'd honestly kind of prefer them to concentrate more on the TV shows because there's more room to breathe with the stories. But again, personal preference. And we've got that tie in at the very end. The last shawarma
3: was the Loki tie in Owen Wilson was Mm -hmm. from Loki. Of course, Loki's gone back and forth, but yeah, that's all going to play out in Loki season two, the continuation.
2: Also, I'm curious about that particular incarnation of because of who Kang is and is related to in the comics. I kept seeing that name all over Twitter that weekend. So I was sure they were going to say it at some point and they did not.
1: Are we talking about that inch warmer right now?
2: Yeah, we can. Yes.
1: Okay. So at that, when, you know, everybody saw that, you know, there's Loki and a lot of, there were a few people there. It wasn't really crowded in there. Like there were maybe 20 people, but about 10 people stayed. There were a few comments. Loki? What's Loki doing there? Like, they were honestly surprised. I wasn't. I didn't know what the Shormers were. I was, you know, everything. And it was like, oh, of course. And my mom was like, oh, do I have to watch Loki now? Like, did I, should I rewatch Loki season one? Like, do I need to now watch, is this going to be, you know, is this a direct tie-in to Loki 2? And it brought up that whole homework thing again. And it brought up. There were obviously people in the theater who did not watch Loki season one because I could hear their genuine surprise of just the appearance of Loki. Because if you just watched the movie, Loki grabbed the Tesseract and disappeared and you had no idea what happened to him. So all of a sudden, Loki being in that movie, a lot of people were generally surprised, genuinely, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't know if I'm saying this correctly, Um, words. They were surprised.
0: Luckily for this, you could get away with just watching like a 10, 15 minute Loki recap thing.
3: If you really wanted to know. You still have to do that, though. It's not self-contained within the movies. And I think that's what Disney's business. We've been talking about it for the last month or so. This is now Disney's business model is they're going to throw as much as they can into Disney Plus to force the subscriptions so they can make more money. Because they're realizing that box offices takes are down, and that they, they need to generate the income in order to keep those properties coming to keep people interested in going to the parks, which is where their big interest is. This is all promotion for their parks when it comes down to it. So that's where things are at. And this could be a trial balloon of, okay, now y'all, we, we've done it. We're not self-containing it on the big screen anymore. You need to go see the small screen in order for this to make sense. As far as the postcarded credit scene itself, I would have liked to have Miss Minutes in there, but maybe that's a bridge too far. <laughs> All right, let's talk about MODOK for a second. Yeah, it was Darren. He came back and he was the MODOK. Chris, I sense your disappointment.
0: This was such a waste. MODOK is such a good character. You can do so many fun things with MODOK. I have absolutely no problem with them turning Darren into Modoc. That's fine. Modoc is in the comics, is just a janitor at AIM that happens to get in there. So, like, the person behind Modoc doesn't matter to me. But to go and kill him off in here the way that they did, like, yes, I'd like that he turned good. That's a thing that happens every once in a while. But he looks completely dead. And by the wheel weaves theory of dead characters. We see the body. He's dead. There's not even like one last frame glimmer of maybe the heart monitor is starting up again. He's just dead. And I want good M.O.D.O.K. in the movies and where you can't do that now unless you I mean, I guess you can bring an alternate universe M.O.D.O.K. or you can just make a different person into M.O.D.O.K. But You don't really explain who M.O.D.O.K. is. You just throw him in there. So anybody who doesn't know M.O.D.O.K. from the comics or doesn't know M.O.D.O.K. from the Hulu series. It's just, oh, look, it's a big round robot ball who can shoot laser beams out of his face. And what a waste. You could have had such a good M.O.D.O.K.
2: I know a lot of people were complaining because the most recent... I think M.O.D.O.K. that people are familiar with is the Square Enix Avengers game, which I really liked. And I thought they did M.O.D.O.K. really well in it. That said, I am also used to a really comedic M.O.D.O.K. So I was fine with it. At first I was like, oh, I hope it's Patton Oswalt. And then that reveal happened. And I, I think I might have outright shrieked with laughter in the movie theater. Just... I was not expecting that and I was kind of delighted by it and by the fact that again it's I'm used to the more comedic modoc so I was fine with it I enjoyed how
3: everybody when they first saw him and it was individual
2: like what the heck happened
3: like everybody's had the same reaction right and also ladies I'm going to put this up to you I'm not going to do it Chris you're welcome to chime in here rate right the butt um
2: what's our scale here Whose butt? Modoc. Uh, Modoc's butt. When we saw him with the, the little baby legs and baby arms, which, by the way, reminded me of Deadpool. Um, okay. Well, assuming that a 10 is America's ass, uh, I'd say like maybe a one or a two. Like, it was just kind of like, mm, it was like a Hank Hill butt. I agree. One. Negative seven. i'd argue that all butts are good butts but also that was just like again it was like they they deliberately tried to make it the most unappealing butt that they could and it was very flat and very small with a short crack and yeah just one on the scale one and a half if i'm being generous tina belcher would not approve no
3: Chris, you talked about Bill Murray a little bit before. Why don't you bring us through your thoughts?
0: I thought he did a really good job with this. You've got a little no-name character, like I said before. And what's really cool here is the discussion I've seen on whether he gets eaten by a giant version of his meal or not. And I know a lot of people are just seen this little, I'm going to call it calamari because that's the closest thing we've got here, but they got this little whole calamari piece sitting there, and he eats it, it's alive, he still eats it, but then later it gets embiggened, and it doesn't eat him from what I see.
2: So it's actually based on a dish that exists. It's a baby octopus, and I remember, so several of my friends have taken kendo, and one of the things that their instructor would tell them was that in Korea, it was like, oh, you show you're so tough by eating this live baby octopus. And people have died from it because it's fighting. I would much prefer if people eat their food already dead. Just for everyone's sake. But no, it it is an actual dish that's live octopus. Yeah, it's a thing. All right. A
3: few cats and dogs here. I have pre-ordered Scott Lang's Lookout for the Little Guy. I'll let everybody know what happens with that in September. It's supposed to come out September 5th, 2023. Also, why does Scott Lang have jail on his mobile phone contact list? Because Cassie is a left-wing anarchist.
2: I can answer this. So I don't know about you, but I don't answer phone calls unless I recognize you know, the number, with the exception of if I'm waiting for a phone call. So I will just tag like, okay, this doctor's office or this pharmacy, things like that. Once you get a call enough times, it's worth tagging so you know to answer.
3: I see. Yeah, he does run in those circles, so yeah, I can think that. And also, when he's in the car with Cassie and Hope at the end, uh, at the beginning, they were making fun of him listening to his own audiobook. Is that really a bad thing? Asking
2: for a friend that may or may not have a podcast. Um. So I would argue it's not a bad thing because like me personally, I will go back and well, first of all, I have to listen to my own audiobooks because I'm editing them. But you also, okay, you want to drop in and listen and find out, okay, this is where I need to improve. I could do this better next time. Or just like, oh my God, I did this thing. I want to listen to it. So I can get that. I can also get why people would think it's egotistical. But as somebody who does audiobooks for a living, I think it's worth going and checking on your own stuff, especially going back to some of your earlier stuff and seeing, okay, I've improved here or I can do this differently. I'm not sure if he's planning to record anymore, though.
1: I didn't appreciate them making fun of him actually writing a book because him and Hope aren't married and he can't. We said before, like when we talked about Falcon and Winter Soldier, Avengers didn't get paid. It seems like Tony didn't set up any sort of fund to pay Avengers after the fact. He has to make money somehow. He didn't. And so he wrote a book. He made money for himself.
0: That being said, hearing how he wrote the book, I would totally playfully make fun of him for writing the book. I mean, it would be yes. Congratulations. This is so cheesy. That's really cool that you did it, though. As for listening to yourself, I don't listen to my own podcast with other people, my other one, because, I mean, that's just me and whoever. Like that, That's just weird to me. I'm not that confident with the stuff yet, but I will listen to other shows that I'm on, including this one, with other people.
3: All right. I think they were making fun of him not because he wrote the book, but because he kept on mentioning it
2: okay yeah that is something worth making fun of like yeah there are things in my life that i've done that i'm very very proud of and i will talk about them when they happen and there's a certain point at which it becomes obnoxious
0: to quote his book the hulk made me a baby am i the hulk's baby Yes, I will make fun of the mess out of you for writing a book like that. But it's still really cool that you did it.
2: Yeah, it's especially if he did it without a ghostwriter. Like writing a book is hard. I haven't done it. I haven't
3: done a complete one. I mean, I wrote theses, but I have not written a book. I mean, so whatever you want to call that. All right. I got two last things here. And the first one is at the very end, Kang is antagonizing Scott in his final fight against him. And he's telling Scott he could have gone home to see his daughter again. Was that legitimate? Because, again, in his mind, he's trying to save the universe. Or was he just trying to use it against Scott to flip him around and then win that battle? I think it's probably a touch of both. That was totally a metaphorical shot to the nuts. Like, you
0: could have been safe. You could have been home you're staying here with me and I'm going to kick your ass and there's no way you're going to win anyway.
2: Yeah. You're going to die without, you know, that was the last time you saw your daughter and comparing him to Janet at that moment, you know, Janet shut the metaphorical door to go back to her daughter because she knew it was the only way to keep everyone safe. He did kind of the same thing, except with him. People came back for him because they had the ability
3: to do so. And the last thing I wanted to talk about, and we can talk about whatever you want to talk about after that, but the last thing I want to talk about is the first swarm scene with all the Kangs. All right. First of all, it seems kind of small for all the multiverse. I mean, it's supposed to be an infinite amount of Kangs, yet they fit inside a stadium. So, hmm. how big's the stadium? Well, don't maybe know.
2: the rest are watching via, you know, pay per view. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, Council of Kangs. I was happy. Is that what it's called? I didn't know what a gathering. That's one is. of the names. I think there's another, there's another name, but I know it is the council of Kings. Okay. And those particular Kangs that we saw all have names, which I can't remember right now. Oh, you're, so you're talking about the, you're talking about the little meeting,
3: not everybody in the stadium, right?
2: Yeah. The little meeting, all of them have names out in the stadium. That's just, you know, assortment of a grab bag of Kangs. You know what I was thinking during that meeting? Stargate crossover. (laughs) I mean, I'm always in favor of Stargate crossovers, so I'm convinced that the new Indiana Jones is a Stargate crossover. Talking about Indiana Jones. The the Dial of Destiny is totally a DRD. Come on, change my mind.
0: We'll go watch Stargate. Is that what you're saying? I think that's a
3: good thing to do anytime. Yes. I did see five trailers. It took a total of 20 minutes. I, the whole start time and the trailers and everything. That's another thing that bugs me about going to the theater, but these have been pretty prevalent over the last few months in the theaters. John wick Four, the flash fast X, whatever they're calling it. The next fast furious movie, uh, Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny and guardians of the galaxy three. Those seem to be like the, the big stack movies that are going to appear between May and whenever it was August or whatever. That they all come out. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Interesting time for that to come out. Basically, 4th of July weekend. So, I think there will be a lot of people that are getting together with their families that will probably go see it then. And, uh, quick poll around the room. Anybody going to see The Flash or refusing to see The Flash in theaters?
2: I don't want to because I don't support Ezra Miller. But, I'm super excited about Michael Keaton. And I'm very angry at them for making me excited about it and for pulling Batgirl when Ezra Miller has been like, Ezra Miller has done all the things that they have done and their movie still gets released.
0: This, like the group aspect is the only reason why I might see it. Like, you can really easily say you don't want to read books by a horrible author. You can, a little bit harder, say you don't want to listen to music by a horrible person who has the rest of a band with them. When you get into how many people work on a movie, yes, Ezra Miller is kind of the centerpiece here. And they really could have changed some things to make that better that we don't know about yet. They could have scrapped the whole thing. That would have been amazing. Everybody would have understood and released Batgirl about that but honestly i'll probably wait till it's hbo max
1: yeah i'll wait too i would like to mention there were more trailers for me it actually ended up being 30 minutes i had the dungeons and dragons one because i remember commenting (laughs) about how one of the characters like clicks on something and the bridge falls apart and actually said in there my party's done that Because I play D&D regularly, and it was Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, yeah, Party's done that
2: a few times. I have decided to stand for The Fat Dragon. I have known nothing about it, but I love it. Well, for the record, I am not planning on
3: watching The Flash in theaters. I will watch it when it comes on streaming, simply because I want to see Michael Keaton play Batman. But I don't want to see, I don't want to support it in the theater. I don't. I think it was the wrong thing to do. I think this should have been a direct to streaming release. I would have been fine with that. And I think that would have sent the right message. It would have supported everybody that worked on the the movie. And yet it would have also sent the message that we understand where you're coming from audience. And we do not support Ezra Miller right now. I think that would have been the right way to go. I also think what they did with Batgirl was completely wrong. I think that should have come out. I think they should have worked on it and then should have come out. That's just my two cents. All right. That's it. We don't know what we're going to do next week, but we will be back here next week. And in the meantime, we do have some news to cover. So let's get to it.
2: So first up, Bob Iger has confirmed that an all-new Avengers team is coming to the MCU. Personally, I continue to cross my fingers that it's the Young Avengers, Challengers, Champions, whatever you want to call them. Disney CEO Bob Iger has confirmed that a new roster for the Avengers is coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Iger mentioned this change to Earth's Mightiest Heroes while speaking at the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecom Conference beginning by saying that there's nothing wrong regarding the Marvel brand, but Disney just has to look at what characters and stories it's mining for future projects. If you look at the trajectory of Marvel in the next five years, there will be a lot of newness, he continued. We're going to turn back to the Avengers franchise with a whole new set of Avengers, for example. Iger did not name any characters who would be on the new roster. As soon as he names one,
3: then all the dominoes fall. You know exactly where they're going, especially with the king story king dynasty story that we're going up yeah i would say that we've been seeding the young Avengers for years now i would think that's what he's talking about however there are some other characters out there that they could throw into an actual avengers team so i think it's going to be young adventures though
0: if they're going to keep mentioning earth's mightiest heroes by name though you can't forget the fact that you already have a team in a cartoon there that comprised of ant-man iron man hulk wasp and thor
3: you'd have to bring iron man back i miss that
1: show oh, they have iron heart see that's just it they've got like the replacement i'm pretty sure sam's going to be captain america so we're going to have a captain america they we talked about last week bucky's going to be with the thunderbolt we've got armor wars coming out so we we'll probably will have war machine so that's recognizable we've had Yeah, so we've got, like, the Hawkeye replacement. You yeah, it's it's there.
3: That's what I was saying. You do have some characters that you can pull in, but you also have, like, the Young Adventures. Like, you said, Sam is Captain America. I agree. You also have Eli. So that's Young Avengers. So I don't know where they're going, but Bob Iger was throwing that down. I think it means something coming from Bob Iger himself versus Kevin Feige. For a lot of different reasons, but I was interested to, because typically Bob Iger doesn't talk about Marvel, he lets Kevin do it. So he stepped in on this, so interesting.
0: Speaking of Bob Iger seeking in, he's also said that Disney is going to reduce costs on films and TV shows to focus on quality, not quantity. Disney CEO Bob Iger discussed the organization's plans to reduce the amount of content it produces in a bid to make what they actually do produce a better quality. Per The Hollywood Reporter, during a Morgan Stanley press conference, Iger touched upon Disney's focus on cutting down costs and understanding how much volume we need, reducing how much we make. He also noted, I'm really pleased that the support I'm getting from the content creators of the company is significant and real, and it comes in the form of reducing the expenses per content, whether it's a TV series or a film, where costs have just skyrocketed in a huge way, and not a supportable way in my opinion. They all agree to that. And he continued, so it's not how much they spend on what they make, it's how much they make. I'm excited for that. I don't need a new movie every year. I don't need three or four new series every year. I want what comes out to be good.
3: What is the proper tempo then? Because if you don't put out a movie every year, you're going to get a restless fandom.
2: I think one or two movies a year is probably the right thing. Like make them, you need to make, we used to have the big tentpole summer movie and now every movie is trying to be a tentpole. And I think you need, that's the thing you need to make it feel special again.
3: If you look at the Avengers phase one, which is undoubtedly the business model that they really want to, get to because that's what everybody remembers and talks about they started with iron man and the hulk an incredible hulk in 2008 avengers i want to say it was 2011 but maybe 2012 so it took four years to get those six movies out and then how much time has it been since then where they've had the other 31 movies you know come out so yeah I, i think you can do it with less Especially if you leverage Disney Plus properties along the way. But it's a big universe, so I don't know. All right. we'll, we'll see what they do. And the inclusion of the Disney Plus stuff is why I'm thinking
0: they can maybe get away with maybe having a year of no Marvel movies. It, they'd be insane. I know it's never going to actually happen. But you can take a really big Disney Plus show and tell people Hey, if you want your Marvel content, you have to subscribe to Disney Plus because that's the only new stuff you're getting this year, suckers.
3: If you're the movie theater industry, you want to put butts in seats every single week. So you want those big movies.
2: They
1: have to do one a year for Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. All right. we will see what they actually decide to do. Well, speaking of Disney Plus and a lot of content, we have some Daredevil Born Again. Again, news first we have a recast in marvel studios disney plus original series daredevil born again vincent D'Onofrio will reprise his role as wilson fisk slash kingpin from the next netflix original series marvel's daredevil the villain's wife on the other hand has been recast for the upcoming reboot back in december it was revealed that sandrine holt Pat joined the cast of Born Again as a romantic interest for one of the show's two lead characters. The Hollywood Reporter now reports that Holt will, in fact, be portraying Vanessa Fisk, the wife of D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk. Vanessa was previously portrayed by Elliot Zurer in seasons one and three of Netflix Daredevil. This marks the first confirmed instance of Born Again recasting one of Netflix show's roles. Bolt's role being revealed coincides with the news that Born Against Pilot episode will be helmed by Michael Crescetta of Dexter fame. And we have another casting reveal that John Bernthal is returning as the Punisher, which is raising a lot of questions because the Punisher is not exactly PG, it's very R rated. So it's going to be interesting just how far they're going to push the acceptable violence rating. Daredevil's already a violent character, depending on which way in this Punisher news is, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it because it is Disney plus. So how watered down are they going to do it? And I would like to also note that we have not gotten any Karen or foggy news Which is worrying me because we get Punisher news, but we don't have the other half of our avocado.
2: I thought I read something the other day that said that they weren't going to include them in the show. And it made me very sad. But I'm excited with the Vanessa Fisk recasting. I like the actress. She was in the last season of The Expanse. And I do have to admit, I'm happy to see The Punisher in there. Not going to lie, I'm hoping for a Punisher Daredevil buddy comedy, and I know I'm not going to get it, but I think it would be fun. Marvel, pay me.
0: Everything I've seen has just been an indication that we're not going to have a Karen Foggy comeback here. Um, Nothing definitive, and anybody who was saying it was definitive that I saw, I saw a very little amount of credibility for why they would know such things. It could still happen. I don't know. It would be a good secret to keep. And Marvel does keep secrets as long as Tom Holland's not involved.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think this just points to money where they want to bring the Punisher in because it's a fan favorite. So they want more people signing up to watch Disney Plus because the Punisher's in there as far as if this is a good move or not. I actually don't think that the Punisher fits their Disney plus model, but I'm not them. So we'll see what they come up with. And I would prefer to have foggy and Karen.
1: I would like to note this is also a departure because it's 18 episodes. They've actually announced 18 episodes when their other shows have been six episodes to 10. So that's also a departure. Who knows what they're doing with this? I want to be a fly on that wall.
3: Well, we'll get to see the end result soon enough, like 2024, I'm guessing.
0: And we did see an upping in the violence level with Moon Knight. So it's not entirely out of character, maybe, to have Punisher. Uh, Granted, Punisher was a lot farther than
3: Moon Knight. Oh my gosh, Punisher was... (laughs) That was getting too tough, even for me.
0: And then on the other side, though, you did have... Punisher in the Archie universe. And I know they didn't go full out Punisher there. So you can do a toned down Punisher.
3: They have said that this version of Daredevil is going to be a lighter version of Daredevil. Maybe not close to what She Hulk was, but closer to She Hulk than what was in the D- Daredevil Netflix shows. So I don't know what they're going to do with Punisher. Don't know. All right. So the last news story we have Chris brought to us is Hasbro is pausing the Marvel retro action figures. And this is by SuperheroHype.com. Even as Hasbro expands their offerings of three and three-quarter inch retro Star Wars figures, they're putting the Marvel version on hold. Though fans joyfully greeted the addition of a vehicle with Ghost Rider, the Marvel Legends retro figures will go on indefinite hiatus for now. Hasbro's quick to note, however, that they aren't canceling, but, quote, resting, unquote. There's a chance for a return at some point in the future, but not anytime soon. Fans of smaller scale figures need not worry as Marvel's launching a four-inch line aimed at kids and their budget called Epic Heroes. It's not considered a replacement for Retro, which was aimed more at the inner children of older collectors. But if size and more toy-etic design are the appeal, they may work to scratch that figure itch.
1: They're resting. That's like saying, kids, we the dog to the farm. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean,
0: I'll say this. I've never gotten any of those retro figures there. I like to take my stuff out of the box and have it sitting there. And I mean, for anybody unfamiliar, this is your normal Marvel Legends line. Yes, it's also an excuse for me to show off my new Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> You've got your closer to six inch figure there. And, you know, that's just what everything normally is. These smaller figures, they look cool, but they're in that old school bubble of plastic on a piece of cardboard. If you open it, that's it. You're never getting it back in there kind of packaging. And I'm just not a huge fan of that. I know a lot of people who are. So, I mean, it's not a good or bad decision based on me liking it but I've also seen the same one sitting at my local shop for a long time.
2: There's okay. It was in the news the other day that Funko is going to be throwing a bunch of their figures in a landfill somewhere because I saw somebody analyzing this. Like there was a huge boom right at the, like towards the beginning of the pandemic of people like, Well, once people were able to have income again of buying it, and now things have evened out, but they're still producing at boom levels, I guess. So they have a whole bunch of stock. I don't think it should be dumped. I think it should be donated, but whatever. Nobody asked me, apparently. And I think Marvel may be seeing this with those figures of there's there's a market. It's not a big market. So... Yeah, they're waiting to see if the demand, I guess it's like a Disney vault thing. They're waiting to see if the demand will make itself known when they're no longer available. And it may, it may not. I don't know. Those aren't figures that I collect.
0: They do have a checklist made up of these new four inch figures. And most of what has been revealed in their waves is Spider-Man related. Not a uh, Spider Gwen, unfortunately. But the way that they have it set up, they've got four different waves, and you can't really tell at all. It's the same shadow for everything. So for Spider Man, there's five that they've announced that are out and known, and then five or six more. And then the next wave is just a bunch of shadow, and a bunch of shadow, and a bunch of shadow. So, at this point, we know there's going to be 20, 30 some odd figures they're planning on doing. And that they are going to be like four different themes, with one of those themes being Spider-Man.
3: Well, we'll see what happens in the future of Marvel collectibles. And I'm sure Marvel wants these to go out, so they'll continue making content so that they can sell toys and tickets to the theme
1: parks. Oh my gosh. We come for a circle. <laughs> that was, that's what Saturday morning cartoons were. He man, little pony. Yep. Strawberry shortcake. Cause yeah. G- I, remember, I. I remember
3: Joe transformers. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, I think it's time we call a family meeting. We have Hank Pym come in and make us some pizza and get on out of here. As long as he brings some ice cream, I'm good. Oh, pizza and ice cream. Baskin Robbins always knows. (laughs) Thanks for sticking around for our full coverage of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We realized that it was weeks in the making, but we hope we have delivered for your enjoyment. And we look forward to hearing how you thought of Ant-Man. And the wasp Quantumania, if you want to, you can always reach us on our Discord server. That's geek G-O-N-N-A-G-E-E-K
2: dot com slash Discord. I'd like to thank everybody who has listened. Please get a hold of us with your opinions of Quantumania. Yeah. Thank you for sticking
1: with us this long. We really appreciate it. And yes, we enjoy your feedback. So please let us know if you agree with us and if you disagree with us
0: everybody that chooses to spend their time listening to us that is just wonderful because there's so much content i've had this discussion with many people there is more content that you can ever have any chance to get even get even a small percentage of listened to, and the fact that you're choosing to spend some of that on us is amazing and we love it
3: and indeed thank you for our live listeners we've had some today so thank you very much for checking us out so until next time I'm Director SP I'm Agent Fumbles I'm Agent Dribbles I'm Agent Chris alright see everybody next time, bye. Bye. bye, bye bye
1: enjoy your holes oh we forgot to talk about Broccoli Dude
0: <laughs> Broccoli Dude it's better than the X-Men movies Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended.
2: Haha, I should probably get a green screen if I want to do this more, but... Yeah, that's actually not
3: bad. That's just on your partition, right? Yeah. The one thing that I will say about green screens, and maybe the technology has improved, but I had to get a steamer to make sure that I smoothed everything out.
2: Yeah, I need to get a I need to get a new iron anyway. So, I think I told y'all what happened with my old one no but no Uh, okay it was a few months ago and i was like i want to do a bunch of embroidery projects based around you know wrestling nerd so i was like i'm gonna make a little pillow for you know kenny omega and it it had all this like symbology in it like the color scheme and stuff and i was so proud of it it turned out great and i was like okay now i need to iron it because it's all wrinkly from being pulled around all the time Apparently, something like ink or something got on my iron while it was in storage, and so now there's this purple ink all over it, and I minute, tried to wash
3: minute. it. Are you saying you have some purple haze?
2: <laughs> uh
0: I have a shelf coming to go above the monitor, but it's not going to get here till Tuesday. Oh! Right now, I've it's a vase amount, so it'll just kind of sit there between up there with all the other vase amount stuff, and I won't have to turn my monitor at an awkward angle to miss the edge of the green screen.
3: So your camera will be on the shelf.
0: My camera will be on the shelf, which will be. Right above the monitor, which will put it approximately three sheets of paper higher than it is now.
3: <laughs> three sheets.
0: Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright
1: 2013 through 2023.